morning, everybody, again, and uh, those of you online now uh, with us. I'm excited about starting a new series this morning called Antichrist Realities. Before I get into there, I just want to make a couple of announcements real quick. Um, we have our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock, uh, uh, a better way to pray. I always have to think which night are we on, uh, what day of the week. But anyway, tonight is a better way to pray. Uh, it's probably one of our biggest groups of the week, uh, usually comes at night. Uh, also, I just want to make mention of our, our Bible classes online. If you go to our website, lighthousediscipleship.org, and then find our Bible classes page. You can get there directly from the homepage, but you can also get there from the main menu. Anyway, uh, it's, we're getting new registrants every day. So it's it's already become uh, becoming popular. Uh, people, uh, you can kind of at your own pace, so people can go as slow as they want or as fast as they want. And uh, it's also somewhat interactive. Uh, where I, at least I can respond to that, and we're still working on some ways to even make it better in the future. Uh, but anyway, it's just that it's, it's there. Uh, there's no pressure. Uh, but uh, uh, we just want to get in the Word and get discipled. And, and our mission in this ministry is for you to become, to help you, to enable you to become uh, established in your identity, equipped in His Word. And, and by doing those two, you'll be empowered to fulfill your destiny whatever that destiny is, and our, our hearts is to help you uh, get there. And so, and even if you know your destiny, you can't fulfill it if you don't know establishing your identity if you're not equipping His Word. So we need to get those two things, and the other will be a byproduct of that. Uh, and I think you'll find your, even your destiny, even if there's a destiny shift in a sense, uh, as far as vocation or whatnot, that, that, can, uh, that will come out as you are in a relationship with God. Uh, so anyway, uh, so that, uh, that's online, that's ongoing. Uh, we don't have the, the classes here right now until further notice, but uh, right now uh, that's what we have. Uh, and let me just uh, make uh, mention too with the Bible study on Sunday night, we're not going to be taking a break for the, the Christmas holiday. Saturday we will, uh, that's a different, uh, you know, just need to follow our calendar on our website, our event page. But on Sunday night we're not going to be taking a break through the holiday season. Christmas season, so uh, we've experienced this in the past, the five years we've been doing, actually four years we've been doing the Bible studies, that most, most people on Sunday night don't want to take a group. Some do, and, and so they have that they have that flexibility, but at the same point in time, we found out most people just don't want to, and so we, we're not going to deprive them of that. Uh, also, too, uh, coming up on November the 30th, that's the last Saturday of this new month we just started, uh, November. As I say, Thanksgiving weekend, that Saturday, we're going to be showing the, the, the movie uh, The Heart of Christmas. This is from Karen's Bible College. They put on multiple musicals. They're actually putting on a new one uh, this week, coming week on Esther, uh, for our women's conference. We have some people from our church going there in Colorado. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, The Heart of Christmas is a, uh, is a theological, the, uh, I, can't, uh, I can't even get that word out there. Theatrical? Yeah, thank you. If you heard that, hopefully. <laughs> I don't know if I can repeat that word. It is a uh, performance uh, musical uh, on the heart of Christmas. And uh, great production, great music, and great great story, too. It's just powerful. So we're going to be showing that on our big screen here on uh, Saturday night, the 30th, starting at uh, 6 o'clock. So we have some others. If you're here, we have a, a couple of flyers left. If not, I need to make some more. Um, but uh, we have a, Chris, a Christmas party in December and also a game night last Saturday day of the year. So I'm not gonna, I'll make those announcements more detailed later on as we get closer to those 
but anyway, so we got some things planned for the holidays. If you're here locally, feel free to join us. You can always bring guests. Most of these events uh, are open house, come as you will. The movie's a little challenging for making that because if you come as you will, you must miss some of the movie. So, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, everything else though is pretty much uh, open door, uh, open house, and come, come and leave as you need to. So, um, okay. And all these things, bring food if you want to. We'll have food. Bring food. That's. I mean, why do you think I do these? You know, just kidding. Uh, and just uh, bring food. And uh, anyway, it just uh, it'll be a good time. Anyway, all announcements aside, everything you can find on our website and uh, whatnot. If you want to be on our email list, also I'll just mention. Uh, make that communication on our website as well, and we'll be sending out more emails and that sort of stuff hopefully in the future. So, okay, all that set aside, I'm excited about starting a new series. We just wrapped up our last series last Sunday on being established on Father's Love. You can get that on our website as well. But in Christ's realities, and this teaching will kind of mirror many ways uh, on our, in our Bible classes. How Austin Purdue teaches this at Karis, and, and we also have it in our, our, our Bible class program. And I'm in many ways using his outline, uh, but I'm just giving my flip. And uh, why do I do that sometimes? Sometimes I like to use it because I want to get the message. I want to get it. I want to be able to teach it. Uh, I'm not trying to be a lost or a Dwayne Share, which are some of the ones I use sometimes or outlines, but I want to get this. And you learn it by teaching it. And I'm hoping it'll be fruitful and beneficial, but I want to get this, uh, not just a class I took, but I want to get this in my heart. And, uh, and it gets ingrained in my heart as I teach it more, and, I, and it becomes mine in a sense uh, by teaching it. So hopefully that makes sense. But my heart is that also that we get it, that not just me, but we and those who will listen to what I have to say about specifically this message or this series about who we are in Christ. The term is it's said different ways. The scriptures, but the term in Christ or in Him is used over 300 times in the New Testament. Over 300 times, Paul and the apostle writers, we talked a few, a few months ago about uh, four characteristics of the early church. They, they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and to, to fellowship and to uh, breaking of bread and to prayer. But the Apostles' Doctrine, 300 times in the Apostles' Doctrine, they talk about who we are in Christ. That's a lot of times. And so the the New Testament writers want us to get something, want us to get a revelation, the reality. That's why it's called in Christ's realities, because it's really who we are. If we're born again, we are in Christ. We We were crucified with Christ, we were buried with Christ, and now we are alive together in Christ Jesus. And what does that look like? What does that entail? And uh, it's, and really, and with that too, there's different aspects we're going to be looking at this, but first of all, and one of the main aspects we're going to be looking at is our identity. Our identity is now in Christ. Paul says in this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we know no man after the flesh. The flesh is dead. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And uh, that phrase in him, sometimes we gloss over that as, a, as kind of the, 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 almost like the benediction of the, uh, of the verse. But it's really who we are. We're not righteous in ourselves. We're righteous in him. And we are in him. And we're not, if we're born again, we're in him. We're either, and we're, 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 
But by now, we're either in sin or we're in Christ. We can't be both. We are either in Adam or we are in the fact of Adam. We are either born again or we're not. And so we are in Christ. And if we're in Christ, then we are a whole new creations. And spiritually speaking, we are a whole new species. Spiritually speaking. Uh, we still have a body, we still have a flesh, and, that, and we will get a new body one day. But we are in Him. And so we're going to be talking a lot about that. Uh, just a couple of verses as we uh, get opened up here. Uh, just kind of a, an introduction. Excuse me as I just switch gears here. Mind going and I'm not thinking what I'm doing here, so let me just get switched here. Um, we'll be using a lot of scripture as we go forward, but I'm just going to use this as an opening verse. Uh, um, first of all, in, in John chapter 1, verse 18, this is not a main verse, but just kind of a filler verse. Oops, I didn't go up. better when the cord's connected. So, okay. Alright. But uh, John 1.18, it says, No one has seen God at any time, only the begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, and He, Jesus, has declared Him. There's several scriptures here, I just can, uh, off the bat, you don't have to turn to all of them. But in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that says that Jesus is the express image of the Father. It says here in John 1, 18, where we just read, that Jesus has declared the Father to us. Jesus said this way in John 14, 9, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus has declared the Father to us in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we have a, a, what I call a progressive revelation of God. And that's another series I would like to do pretty soon, uh, looking at the names of God. Uh, El Shaddai, Elohim, and looking at the names of God, which uh, I don't have them all memorized uh, to, to quote them to you now, but it's a, it was a progressive revelation of God throughout the Old Testament. Uh, uh, Abraham and different uh, people throughout the Old Testament, some of the patriarchs, uh, got a revelation of God. It was progressive, and they wrote that down, and, they, and we now written to us, it was progressive. But here in the New Testament, God, Jesus is revealing God to us. So as we're seeing who we are in Christ, we are born of God. And as we see God, as we see Jesus, we see God. And as we see Jesus and we see God, because we are born again, we see ourselves. We are see, because we are in Him. That makes sense? And uh, uh, I hope it makes make sense as we, get, we, we, we bring this out a little bit more. Go with me, though, uh, in Colossians chapter 1. And we'll pick it up in verse 27. Now, there's, like I said, there's 300 references about who we are in Him. So, I don't know if we're going to tackle all 300 in this series, but we're going to sure tackle quite a bit of them. <laughs> so, okay. But, uh, we're picking up mid-thought here, but verse, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 says, To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect. Where? In Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. There's many things here. I hope I'll be able to connect the dots for you. But it just, uh, again, this is just introduction. I'm just trying to get some thoughts off as we get barely get into this message or this series. But it said, Paul says here in, in, in uh, verse 27 that this, he wants to make known the riches of his glory, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he wants to present every man perfect in Christ. We... Uh, there's so many scriptures, and I'm, I'm struggling to, to, to narrow all. I have so many thoughts right now, trying to, to focus all my thoughts and, and, and teach us in a systematic way. But Paul, the Word of God, in my heart, is that we can see that we are perfect in Christ, who we are in Christ. In other words, one thing I'm trying to say, say out the, uh, at the very beginning here, that God has taken up residence on the inside of us. Jesus is a full expression of God. Jesus has declared God to us. And this Jesus has taken up residence on the inside of us. And this Jesus is trying to reveal God to us. Jesus is trying to reveal who we are in Him. Uh, the Holy Spirit's involved with that as well. But God has taken up residence in us. In other words, you have all the characteristics of God on the inside of you in Christ. Everything that God is. Because Jesus is a very expression of God, of his person. And we are in Christ. So when we understand that we are in Christ, and the fullness of God is in Christ, then we have the fullness of God inside of us. There's several scriptures I can bring out in John 1, 16, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, that we have the fullness of God in us. And, and we are in Christ. So that means we have all the characteristics of God in us. Not our flesh, not in our mind, will, and emotions, not in our flesh, not in our body, but in our spirit. Our spirit is 100% born again, and our spirit is 100% in Christ. That making sense? And so, uh, one thing I want to get at is as we go forward in this message, that when we, if we start getting the right perception of who we are in Christ, not outside of Christ, but in Christ, then it will change how we live our life. It will change how we think. It will change how we accomplish things in this world, in this life. Philippians 4, 4, I have 410 in my notes, but I think it's Philippians 413. It said, Paul says it this way, we can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. We can do all things. And every time I talk about the word all in the Greek, guess what it means? All. We can do all things in Christ that gives us strength. There is nothing that we cannot do in Christ. Jesus said we will do the works that he did. And even greater works than that, because he goes to the Father. And in that context, he, the Word of God, became flesh, and is not going to return to him void. 
it, but he, because he finished the work, but he said also, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He also was promising in that context of John, John 14 that he's going to give us his Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is the teacher of all truth, and the Holy Spirit is going to do one main thing, reveal Christ to us. And reveal who we are in Christ. We have become one flesh with him. Bone of his bone and flesh, flesh of his flesh, according to Ephesians 5.30. We are in Christ. Go with me to Philemon. A little small book right before Hebrews. One chapter. Philemon is only one chapter. So if you have more than one chapter, you might have a the wrong Philemon. So verse 6. Philemon verse 6. And I'm going to toggle real quick to the King James. Philemon 1.6 That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, where? In Christ Jesus. I want to read that again. I know I've read and studied this and talked about this so many times, but I don't want us to become so familiar that we miss this. Your, the communication of faith becomes effectual by the knowledge of every, not just some, but every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Your faith will become effective or effectual as you acknowledge who you are in Christ. If you don't know who you are in Christ, that can limit, that can hinder, that can uh, interfere with your faith becoming effectual. That makes sense. It's key that we know who we are in Christ because that can help unleash and release uh, his, our faith becoming effective and being effectual. How many of us want our faith to be effectual? How many of us want to be this walk, this Christianity, this relationship with God, this salvation we receive, this inheritance we have uh, received, we want it to be effective. We don't want to just be religious. We don't want to just go through the motions. We don't want to just, my goal is not just to go to heaven. Praise God for that. But there, I want my, my faith, my life, my walk to be effective here, in this life, in my body here, in my life here. And not just for me. I don't want to just be healthy, healed for me. I don't want to just have finances for me. I want to be effective. There's a world out there that needs Jesus. My family, my friends, different people. I want Christianity to be my faith in Christ, my faith in God, my faith in His Word to be effectual. And it will be effective, not just in people like Andrew Womack and Lawson Purdue and other people, but it can be effective in me, in and through me, as I acknowledge every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. It's not about me. It's about Christ. But I'm just not, I'm not me anymore. I died with Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I've been purchased. I've been bought with a price. I'm not mine anymore. I'm Him. I'm in Christ. And Christ is in me. The fullness of God is in me. And then I acknowledge every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. My faith will become effectual. And I can do all things. In Christ, who gives me strength. That making sense? Right? We can move mountains, we can raise the dead, we can heal the sick, because we are in Christ. 
and there's much more. I mean, I'm just touching the surface. Uh, that making sense so far? <coughs> Excuse me. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. God is alive. He's not dead. He's not dormant. God is not way out there somewhere. God, the fullness of God, is in you bodily, in Jesus Christ. The fullness of God is there. Um, make, 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 am I making sense? He's alive. Proverbs 23, verse 7. You don't necessarily need to turn there. But it says, as a man thinketh, so is he. We need to start thinking like God sees us. We need to start thinking how God sees us. And God sees us in Christ. The reality is, I know we see ourselves in the flesh, but God sees us in Christ. And us being in Christ is more real than this flesh. That making sense? I'll be, be clear as we as we go forward. But I want to see me as God sees me. And if I see me as God sees me, I want to also see you as God sees you. But I need to see me as God sees me. God doesn't see me in the flesh. God sees me in Christ. And when we get that paradigm, that 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 perception, that and when we start as a man thinking, so is he. If we are, call ourselves a Christian, but we keep seeing ourselves in the flesh, then we will live that way. But if we see ourselves as God sees us, as we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus, our faith will become effective. We'll live, we'll think, we'll function, we'll talk as if Christ is in us. And that will, that will change our lives. That will change everything we do, everything we are. If we can get that in our system, and in our thinker, in our beliefs, and we can be established in this in Christ reality, because it is a reality. Hopefully, I'm making sense. I know this is a little deep, and I, I, but, but hopefully, as we go forward, we're gonna we're gonna keep uh, repeating ourselves on some days, and and, and hopefully, uh, make this more clear. How you think about yourself affects how you will go out into the world. How you think about yourself will affect what you accomplish in life. How you think about yourself will affect how other people see you. How you think about yourself will affect how other people relate to you. How you think about yourself will affect how you relate to the devil, the enemy. It will affect how you relate to your circumstances and your situation. God, Jesus knew who he was and affected the storm. It affected the sea. It affected the big tree. It affected the multitudes when they were hungry. And, 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 and he, it affected uh, uh, the, those who were sick. It affected those who were dead. It affected things. Because he knew who he was. And we need to know who we are in him. Okay? Let me just say this. You shouldn't just accept anyone's opinion of who you are except for God's. God's opinion of who you are is the only opinion that we should accept. Because if someone else's opinion, including ourselves, if that opinion of who we are does not line up with what God says we are, then something's wrong. And 
our faith won't become effective. Does that make sense? We should only accept God's opinion of who we are. And God's opinion of us, and we accept that, can affect how we approach life. In other words, we can approach life from being defeated, being without, being a victim. Uh, we can be affected by our circumstances. Or we, if we know who we are in Christ, we can be affected, not just from a, instead of being, uh, not just running our life from a defeated position, we can be, run our life from a victorious position. If we know who we are in Christ, we know we have, we already have the victory. You know, if you ever play a game, a sport, if you are already thinking you're going to lose in your mind, more likely you're going to lose. But if you think you're going to win, most sports, most activities, most accomplishments start here. How we think. I've seen so many sports. I mean, we were watching, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Facing the Giants. It's a Christian movie uh, about a football team uh, towards the end. and uh, These were a school that just couldn't win, and they finally got a hold of who they were in Christ, and they started winning. And they finally got to the, the playoffs. They got to beat the the, the, the team name. The other team name was the Giants, and uh, they had a, a kicker. His, his main uh, sport was actually soccer, but the school didn't have a soccer team, so he became a kicker for the football team. Yes, a kicker, but football and soccer are not the same sport. And kicking for field goals. It's different than kicking a soccer ball into a net. It's just different. It's a, it's a different strategy, technique, uh, 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 art to the whole thing. But we're in the playoff game, and the game is on the line for them to win this championship. And David, the kicker, facing the, the Giants, the other team. So you can see the uh, correlation with that. But Dave, it's going to be a long, long field goal. It's, it's, a, it's a very long field goal. Only a very good kicker can make this type of kick, if, if, if even possible. And then not only that, the wind is against him. Wow. And, uh, and so he got everything against him. But, uh, and he's actually the backup kicker. He's not the, the main kicker because the main kicker got, got hurt in the game. But they're, they're about ready to make this. He's about ready to make this attempt. If they don't make it, they're gonna, they'll lose the game. If they make it, they win the game. It's a it's a it's a do or die situation regarding the game. But uh, they finally want to take a timeout because they can see from the sidelines that David in his own mind thinks he can't make this. You can just tell by his body language, his expression. He doesn't think he's going to make it. And if you if, if that's your attitude, he's not going to make it. And so. Uh, they get a timeout, long story short, and, and the coach gives him a little pep talk. He's, he, he, he doesn't have time to teach him the skill right now. He's already taught, he either knows the skill or he doesn't know the skill. He's working on his mind right now. He can give him a little pep time that he can make it. And he, he gives him a little Bible lesson right then and there about can God help you make this kick. And, uh, and, and he's getting his perspective on God and uh, himself. And just using this illustration as our mind. As a man thinking, so is he. And and he, and get most of us probably don't play football. <laughs> I'm not talking about football. 
But, uh, it, uh, but there are certain situations in our minds of what things that God has called us to do in this season, and this, uh, what we're doing in our lives, and our finances, and our families, and our, our, our visions, our purpose, whatever it might be. And sometimes we think we can't do it. We can't do what God's called us to do. We can't do it. But that's in our minds. And we need to start see, seeing things in a natural perspective. We not need to start stop seeing our own weaknesses. And we need to see ourselves in Christ. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, hopefully this will make sense as we go forward. Um, go with me to the book of Numbers. Numbers 13. And we're going to use this as our main illustration at the beginning. I don't know how far we'll get. But Numbers 13... And we'll pick again with verse 1 in that area. Now, number 13 is the is, is story of Moses sending the spies to spy out the land. God's given instruction. I'm not going to read everything word for word in this, this passage of Scripture. But in the first three verses, God instructs Moses to send 12 spies in the land to see, to see if the land is good. Now, God's already told him what the land is. God's already told him the land is flowing with milk and honey. God's already told him um, um, uh, that he already told him there's going to be giants in the land. He already told him what uh, the land was good. He already told him what the opposition was going to be. <laughs> but God also says, uh, uh, I think it's here in verse three. Uh, sorry, I should have had this. Uh, but He already told him, I've already given them the land. I've already given the people the land. But as we read the story, and again, I'm not going to read all the detail about it. Moses sends the 12 spies. He sends them into the land, and they come back with a report. But when Moses sends them, I want to jump down to verse 20 real quick. Give them time, I just don't want to read all that detail. Let's read verse 20. He says, and what, he instructed them to go to Go and spy the land. He says, what the land is, whether it be bad or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And then he makes this statement right now. Uh, actually, I want to toggle back to the New King James. He says, but then he makes this statement right here in Middle first, chapter 13, verse 20. He says, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season for the first ripe grapes. There's a lot here. I'm skipping through a lot of detail to get to this, this part in the story. He's sending them, God's told them, the land is yours. It's good, but I want you to go spy out the land and to, to see it for yourselves. But he says, when you go spy out the land, because there are going to be giants there. He's told them already in other passages that there's going to be giants there. Just, but be of good courage. He's telling them, be of good courage as you go and spy out this land. Why is that? I believe there's a general tendency for people, including ourselves, to think on the negative. When we encounter a situation, whether it be financial, whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual, whether it be relational, in our families, our homes, maybe what's going on in our world, it's so easy for our hearts and our minds to think and dwell on the negative. The land's good, but there's giants in the land. And 
we have a tendency not only to focus on the negative, but we have to also a tendency to focus on what's wrong and not what's right. We have the tendency of focusing on what we see with our natural senses than to take heed with, despite what we see what God has told us. That making sense? And in verse, uh, between verses 27 to 29, again, I don't want to read all the, all, all the, all the, all the drama. But the, ten spy, the 12 spies come back, and 10 of them come back with a, an evil report, a negative report. Two, Joshua and Caleb, come back with a positive report. And the ten spies that came back with a negative report, they said, they, they, if you jump down to verse 27 and 29, I'm not going to read all the detail, but they, 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 told, they told them, we went to the land where you sent us, and truly it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. They brought us back such a cluster of grapes, that it took two men to, to carry this cluster of grapes. These were, these were good grapes. These were big grapes. That it took two strong men, and he sent twelve of the best men to inspire the land for them to carry this cluster of grapes. So the, the report was at the beginning was yes, it is good. It's flowing with milk and honey. I'm using this example to talk about who we are in Christ, but let me just say this: that what God has given us in Christ is rich. It's full. God has given us the abundant life. He's given us an extravagant life. In Christ. It's full. But we get to verse 28. It says, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. In other words, it's good. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's exactly how God said it would be. But there's giants. You know, God can, sometimes can tell us to do something. And we, we say, it's just as good as God said it would be. But, and we have to be careful where we stick something like that. We have to be careful where we get that. That we, we can't, and sometimes we come to the conclusion in our own reasoning that we can't do what God has called us to do because of this circumstance. Because of this situation. Or whatever that case may be. And we can't see past the natural. We can't see past what we're, what we're going through. We can't see past the situation. We, we, and, and, and we can let that get in the way. Ten out of the twelve spies, ten out of twelve, will often give a negative report. Ten out of twelve people, if you get ten out of twelve people, ten out of twelve people, there's almost a percentage here of almost 80% of people who usually give a negative report. Have you ever been around people who are just negative? They're just negative. They even call themselves Christians. And I'm not picking on anyone. I'm not trying to get anyone a hard time. But there's some people that even call themselves Christians and they're just negative. They're negative about this, negative about that. And I'm not saying that the things they're talking about is, I'm not saying they're not wrong. Or, or whatever the case may be. But that's their focus. They're focused on what is wrong. They're looking for what's wrong. And I'm not saying there's not things wrong. But I don't want that to be focused. I don't want to focus on the giants. I want to focus on what God has given me. Despite the giants. I'm not trying to be foolish. I'm not trying to be 
naive, but I want to trust God. And there's some things that, there's some times, some things that God has called us to do personally in this ministry. And it's easy for us to get focused on what we can't do, focusing on what we can do, because I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. But sometimes we get that B-U-T in the way, but, but this, we can't do it because of this. We can't do it because we don't have finances. We can't do this because this person did this to me. This person did that to me. Or whatever the case may be. See, Caleb, Caleb and Joshua came back, verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. See, Caleb knew that the land was good, just like the other ten spies. But he also knew that his God was good. If you, if you go on, I think in chapter 14, it says that, uh, the, uh, in Numbers 14, that Caleb had a different spirit. Caleb wasn't so focused on the what they couldn't do. Caleb was focused on what they could do because God said they could. Because God said they'd given them and his attitude is, let's go get it. The ten spies said, it's good, but we can't. Caleb says, it's good, and we can. One is focused on the negative, the majority. Sometimes the majority is not right. It's not always the wisest thing to listen to the majority. Because some, sometimes the minority has the right answer. We need to hear what God says about it. Yes, there's wisdom in the counsel of many, but sometimes that counsel can be wrong. That makes sense? We need to know what God said. And God had already told them they could do it. In the natural, it, they couldn't do it. In the majority, thought they couldn't do it because in all they were seeing was in flesh. But Caleb knew his relationship, covenant relationship he had with God. That's why even the, when we talked about several months ago, about the early church was steadfast into the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, and to breaking the bread. Breaking the bread is all about covenant. We need to come to his table and remembrance of him, reminding our covenant relationship with God. Because we get so many reports in this world. Just on Facebook and news alone and, 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 and family and friends and even our own voice and the enemy speaking lies to our mind what we can and cannot do. We need to have a relationship with God and His Word, with His Spirit. We need that relationship with God because whatever God says we can do, I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. But if I look at life of who I am outside of Christ, I can't do anything. Jesus said, abide in me and by my word, when apart from me, you can do nothing. But in Christ, in Christ, we can do all things. And we can, our faith can be effective to overcome giants. We have another story in the first Samuel chapter 17 with David and Goliath. The, the whole armies of Israel who were trained for war had the same covenant with God that David did. David was a shepherd boy. He wasn't trained for war. <laughs> of course, he was trained to kill uh, lions and tigers and bears. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'd rather probably fight a war than some lion, tiger, and bear. But anyway, 
um, that I'll leave that for you. Decide for yourself. But at that same point in time, but he knew who was coming to relationship. He wouldn't even have seen the fight. He was in there. He was disobeying his daddy, bringing cheese and crackers to his brothers. And every time I share that, I get hungry because I want to start passing out cheese and crackers. But anyway, you know, he, he's here. He, he's not even on the scene to, to, but he hears this giant, this uncircumcised Philistine, defying the armies of the living God, and the Spirit of God in him just rises up in anger that he doesn't want to put up with this. You know, we, we Jesus uh, is ministering to the multitudes, and finally he knows that they're hungry. And he's like, okay, send them away hungry. He wants to feed them. People come into our lives all the time. Some of them have needs. Some of them need a miracle. Some of them need a work of God. Some need a word from God. Some of them need wisdom. Some of them don't know what to do. Some of them, all hell is breaking loose. And they're coming to us for help. And sometimes we don't know what to do ourselves. But we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And when we know who we are in Christ... We can have compassion on the people and we can take down that Goliath. We can speak to that sickness. We can give them a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, an act of faith, whatever we need to do to, that they need in that moment. Because the fullness of God is in us and we know who we are in Christ. We can change the situation. We can change the dynamics. We, you know, there's just so many aspects of it. Even Elijah, uh, either Elijah or Elisha, probably Elisha, where you know, he was having a word of knowledge about war. And he was giving the kings the plans of the enemy. And it was following the plans. And finally, the enemy wanted to come out to Elisha. It was surrounding him with armies. And, and, and uh, his, his servant was like, what do we do? And But Elisha saw the armies of the living God surround him. There's more with us than there are with them. God is your deliverer. There is nothing you cannot do. We have the armies of God. You know, even in the world, if you shoot a cop, you got the whole force behind you. They're going to come after you. They'll hunt you down. But we have the armies of the living God. We have the, I know there's great, there's demonic stuff going on in our world and people's lives, but we have the spirit of the living God. And there's, there, there, there's, that life is stronger than death. Light is stronger than darkness. Life is stronger than death. I think I already said that one. Uh, love is stronger than hate. We, there is nothing we cannot do because of who we are in Christ. And so many times we focus on the bank account or the doctor's report or what everyone else is saying, what the news is saying, what even sometimes the church is saying. But we need to know what God says. We need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know his word. David knew his relationship with God, and he knew that this Goliath had no chance. Goliath came out of him with natural resources. David came after him in the name of the Lord. I know I'm tying different stories together here, but uh, and what does this have to do with the Christ? Because I believe it has everything. But I'm trying to focus on, too, on this. What are we focused on? Are we focused on the circumstance? Are we focused on the giants? Are we focused on the negative? Are we focused on what's wrong? Are we focused on what we don't have? Or are we focused on who we are in Christ?
Because we can do all things. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. But our faith won't become effective until we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. Am I making sense? I'm just barely getting into this. But, see, most people are, are not focused on who they are in Christ. But the Word of God says, I am righteous. I am redeemed. I am sanctified. I am wise. I am healed. I am blessed. I have the mind of Christ. I am forgiven. But most people, or a lot of people, are focused on their faults, their failures, their inadequacies, their, their, their a victim mentality of their situation. They're focused on what's wrong. They're focused on their giants. They're focused on the flesh. They're focused on the problem. They're focused on the circumstances. They're focused on the lack. They're focused on the enemy. They're focused on their sin. They're focused on the past. They're focused on the future. Their focus is on the lack. Their focus is on the sickness. But Caleb was of a different spirit. And he was focused on one thing only, what God said. He saw the giants. He saw the same thing that they, they saw. He saw it was good. But he was focused on what God said. But the other ten were focused on what they saw, despite what God said. They had heard the same word that he did. They had the same instruction. They, were, they both were instructed at the beginning, be, be of good courage. You know, we need courage. We need courage to be a Christian. We need courage in these last days. We need courage, uh, be encouraged who we are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the majority says. What matters is what God says about us. It matters what God says about our situation. Be of good courage. Don't focus on the negative. 80% of the, of, the, of, of the church sometimes, eight, eight, let me just say this, 80% of the people will sometimes have a negative report. And it, not only was it church, true in Israel in this situation, it's sometimes true in the church. Sometimes people in the church have the same report as the world. They have the same results as the world. And I don't know about you, but we ought to be different. We ought to have different results than the world. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not the lead. We're blessed and not cursed. We are the children of God. So what's wrong? Most people are focused on the world. Or what's wrong. And what's right. They're focused on everything else but what God says. And how are we going to know what God says if we have no relationship with God? If we're not steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking up bread and prayer. How are we going to know what God says? Now, in this situation, both and in the 12 spies, they all heard what God said. But, the 12 spies, and they all saw what the situation was. But only two of those 12 were focused on what God said, despite what they saw. That makes sense? I know I'm reiterating that, but I want that to sink in. You know, it says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, that to be naturally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What are you focused on? Is it death? Is it leading to death? Um, in other words, if you want different results in the world, 
you need to feed on different information. You need to have a different diet. What, you know, the parable of the sower in Mark's account and Luke's account, I forget which one says which, but after the parable of the sower, Jesus makes this statement. Take heed what you hear, and take heed how you hear. What you are listening to, what you are feeding into your thinker, into your mind, can determine whether that seed falls in good soil or bad soil. In this case, this, the God's word, because that's the seed, fell on 12 different soils of the spies. Two of them had a good report. They took heed what they heard, and they took heed how they heard it. They all, they, they all heard the word, but only two of them took heed to what they heard versus what they saw. Does that make any sense? Amen. Let's jump down to verse 31 here. But the man who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report in the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone and spied in the land that devoured its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. All of the people. Now, I know this is just Daveology, but I, I don't think all of them were giants. I think there were giants, yes. But I have a hard time necessarily coming to the conclusion that they were all giants in the land. I, I, can't, I can't validate that. I can't prove that. But I want to make a point, though. Um, when you are thinking on the negative, when you have a negative mindset, your mind will sometimes take you further than you want to go. Have you ever dwelt on a, got a report about something and you started dwelling on that? Before it was just a little pain. But now you let your mind wander, now you got cancer, you're dying, and if you're, 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 you're planning out your death, your will. Your mind will sometimes go further than you want to go. When you worry about something, when you're negative about something, you start telling a fish story about the situation. You start thinking a fish story about the situation. You will start going to places you didn't want to go in your mind. And eventually, and there's a whole other teaching, that thought can become a stronghold. It talks about this in Corinthians chapter 10, I think it's 2 Corinthians 10, that we need to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And if it doesn't, we, we are going to have a stronghold that we're going to have to overcome. And the stronghold is in our mind. But in verse 33, it says, And there we saw the giants, the descendants of Enoch, and came from the, the, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. They said we were like grasshoppers where? In our own sight. They're the ones that came up with that idea. <laughs> They're the ones that saw themselves as grasshoppers. How do you see yourselves? With the situation you're going through. With the things that are going on in your life, in your world. See, how you see yourself affects how you relate to God. It affects how you relate to people. It affects how you relate to the devil or the enemy. It affects how you relate to your circumstances. 
And it can also affect how others relate to you. And so when they we in their sight. If you start being negative to yourself and putting yourself down, then others will start seeing you that way too. At least in your perspective. That makes sense? Okay? Um, so we may be disappointed in the way others see us. But how we see ourselves can change how others see us and how others begin to relate to us. It might take some time. But we need to see ourselves as God sees us. That's going to change everything. How we relate to other people. And it can in time change how people relate to us. Okay. It will help you accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. In other words, we need to see ourselves not as grasshoppers. We need to see ourselves as giant killers. We need to see ourselves as overcomers. Goliath fought, as I said this before, but Goliath fought in his natural strength, but we, David fought in the name of the Lord. In other words, get your eyes off the giants. Get your eyes off the situation. And get your eyes on God, on Jesus. And get your eyes and get your thinker on what God says about you. Who you are in Christ. Okay? Now we're switch gears. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We look at we sometimes we look down at the Israelites in situations like that, and sometimes we look down at some of the disciples sometimes and some of the things they did. But we're just the same. The situation may be different. We might be in a totally different era and have totally different situations, but the way we think hasn't changed much. And so we need to know who we are in Christ. But Ephesians chapter 2. Now, like I said, in the New Testament, there's over 300 times the Word of God talks about who we are in Christ. And Paul, in Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3, talks a lot about who we are in Christ. Okay, he's talking about this a lot in this, in this entire epistle. But uh, the first five verses here, Paul's going to talk about who we were. Not so much who we are, who we were before we received Christ, okay? <coughs> so he says here, begin verse 1. And he made, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also, also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with, the, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I just want to spend just a little bit of time, not a lot of time here, but it just, uh, the whole New Testament is written with the focus on who we are in Christ. But Paul is also expounding on here at the beginning of this second chapter in Ephesians who we were without Christ. Who we were before we received Christ. Um, see, we're, I made the statement earlier in my message that we're either in Christ or we're in sin. But we're not in sin and in Christ at the same time. That's not possible. 
But at the same point in time, a lot of people in the church, they see themselves both in Christ and in sin. When sin presents itself, they, they see themselves as weak. And they present themselves as still in sin. When righteousness presents itself, they sometimes do the same thing also. They present themselves in sin. They're not righteous. We're only righteous in Christ. We're righteous because we're born again. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteous of God in Him. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. We need to see ourselves as who we are because that's how we're going to overcome sin. That's how we're going to, anything that's not of faith is sin. That's how we're going to overcome being without faith and that when our faith not operating is seeing ourselves as God sees us. That's how we're going to overcome unbelief or the lack of faith or little faith is by seeing ourselves who we are. We can't overcome sin in the flesh. You can't overcome sin by willpower. And you can't definitely can't overcome sin when you think you're weak. <laughs> but in Christ, we're strong. Only in Christ, only knowing who we are, Christ, does the, 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 the even the desire and the appetite for sin diminish. I understand addiction. I understand being addicted to some things in my life. Because the flesh is stubborn, the lust of the flesh. I'm not just talking about immoral things or drugs or alcohol. There's other things that people get addicted to, too. Even just wrong thinking. Even just a bad self-esteem. Our self-worth is not in the flesh. Our self-worth is in Christ. And we need to have a good self-worth in Christ. Not a self-worth in the flesh. Not a self-worth in ourselves. I'm not talking about psychology. I'm talking about who we are in Christ. And, we, and, and you can't overcome anything. You can't overcome depression. You can't overcome uh, 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 any anger management or anything else if you don't know who you are in Christ. That is the secret to anything. That is how we overcome it. Even the medical world says that religion will make you crazy. And I agree, religion will make you crazy. But we're not talking about religion. We're talking about our life. We're talking about who we are in Christ. We're talking about a relationship with God in Christ. And that is not what will make you crazy. That will make you sane. That will make you more than a conqueror. Scroll down to verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created where? In Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has created us in Christ for good works. God did not create us in Christ for bad works. God did not create us in Christ so we'd just be destroyed and we'd be devoured. See, sometimes I see sin as a giant. Or the situation I'm going to as a giant. But God has created us in Christ for good works. God did not create us in Christ so we just get destroyed. God did not, not create us in Christ so we have the same uh, woes and pains as the, as the world. Yes, the rain falls and the unjust and injustice alike. Yes, the storms come and the unjust and the unjust alike. But we can do all things in Christ that gives us strength. We uh, we can't always control the temptations that come. We can't always control the things that come against us. But we can control whether that situation is going to stay. Whether that situation is going to control our minds. I think we can control whether we're going to be more conquerors or we're going to allow that thing to defeat us or limit us. 
Am I making sense? We're going to build on this a little bit more as we go forward. But when I, you know, we're kind of, I'm going to be breaking this, this series up in kind of three main sections. But the first one is, I'm talking about the value of identity. We need to know who we are. I'm going to be building on some other things as we go forward. But the first aspect, not just this week, but the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about the value of identity. Who we are in Christ. We need to get that established, who we are in Christ. And I'm going to be taking this from a couple different angles. But, uh, I'm, but I'm going to be very repetitive, who we are in Christ. There's a, lot, there's a lot more I can build on, but we can get out all the detail later. If we get established who we are in Christ. Okay? Because our, our faith, the communication of our faith becomes effective as we acknowledge everything that we are in Christ Jesus. We can't get the, the wheels to work. We can't even get the engine to turn on if we don't know who we are in Christ. We need to get established in that. Okay? Um, okay, going back up to uh, the first three verses or so. Paul is talking about, again, before we were born again, that we live like the rest of the world. We live, in many ways, he's saying, you live like the devil. Jesus even said in John chapter 8, verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and his works you will you do. And you know that we're born again, we're not of the devil. But before we were born again, we lived like the devil. And uh, when we, but when, in other words, I can go a lot of different avenues with this that I believe we have authority over the devil because of who we are in Christ. The devil is a defeated foe and his only weapon that he has is deception. He can deceive us. And the, the, the danger about deception is if you're deceived, you don't know it. If you know that you're deceived, you're not deceived. That's an oxymoron. You can't, you can't know you're deceived. That's impossible. Otherwise, you're not deceived. You just, you just, you can be rebellious. You can ignore it. <coughs> you can quench it. You can suppress it. But deception is you don't know it. Deception is you think you're right when you're wrong. Deception is that you think you're okay when you're not. Um, and there's many other <coughs> aspects of that. But, what I'm trying to get at, what I'm trying to make a point here, is that we have authority over the devil. We have authority over sickness. We have authority over the works of the enemy in many ways, shapes, and forms. But we don't, but my focus is, but even though we have authority over the devil, I'm not so much focused on my authority, I'm focused on who I am in Christ. Does that make sense? My authority comes from, from who I am in Christ. But I'm not focused on the authority. I'm focused on who I am in Christ. Because the moment I take my focus off who I am in Christ, I will lose that authority. In a sense. It won't work. And I'll get frustrated. Because my faith becomes effective as I acknowledge every good thing that I am in Christ. But once I start acknowledging my authority, yes, I have my authority in Christ, but I get my focus on the authority instead of Christ, where the source of that authority comes from. I will become weak and the enemy will just dance all over me. That makes sense? It's a fine line there, but I'm not focused on my authority. I'm focused on who I am in Christ. God is my healer, but I'm not focused on the healing. 
I'm focused on the healer, who I am in Christ. God is my provider, but I'm not focused on the provision. I'm focused on my provider, who I am in Christ. That makes sense? And it's a fine line, but there's a difference. Because he's my source. I'm expecting my healing. I'm expecting my provision. I'm expecting that when I walk in, the devil walks out. Because of who I, not because of who I am in and by myself, but because of who I am in Christ. Jesus knew who he was, and he had authority over the storm, the waves, the fish, the, 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 uh, the circumstances. But he wasn't focused on that. He was focused on his father. He was focused on he was his father's son. He was his beloved son, whom he was well pleased. His focus on was his father. He spent time with his father. He didn't do anything without spending time with his father. His focus was on his father. His focus was that he was the son. And so when the, when, when the situation came, whatever it was, he just knew what to do. He just operated in that. He knew he was, he was established. He was, he was comfortable. He was established. He was at rest. He was settled in his heart who he was. No matter what the enemy did, no matter what other people did, no matter even if they tried to crucify him, he knew who he was. And we need to know who we are. Because the one moving one mountain, moving Mount Everest, is no different than moving Mount Baldy. <laughs> because uh, uh, healing a headache is no different than healing cancer. Needing a few bucks to meet a, to pay a bill is no different than needing a few million dollars to do what God's called us to do. Because <laughs> we know who we are in Christ. I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to paint a picture. We don't, I don't care how many giants. I don't care if they were all giants. I don't care if I came to the family of giants. I don't care if I finally found out that us humans are the minority. The giants are actually the majority. I don't care if I'm the only human and they're all giants. I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. <coughs> and God says, that's my land. This is my land. That makes it make sense? Um, we need to know who we are. My focus is on who I'm in Christ. See, God has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. That is where we are. That is who we are. And we need to think of those things. Um, excuse me, we do a time almost done. Being very petty here, I just want to see what I'm trying to pick up. Go down verse 11. Second, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Says, Therefore, remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hand. That that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There's a lot of different things being said here. First of all, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he's, he's talking about before we, before we were in Christ, we had no covenant. And because we had no covenant, we had no promise. And because we had no promise, we had no hope. Without Christ, there is no promise. Without Christ, there is no covenant. Without Christ, there is no hope. But that's why I like verse 13. That sounds very negative. But now, when's now? Now. Right now. But now. 
See, there's a wrong way to put the B-U-T, and there's a right place to put the B-U-T. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But now, that's how you were. You were without a covenant. You were without a promise. You were without hope. But you are now in Christ. You've been quickened. You've been, you've been, you were dead. See, many of us are focused on the outward man, then we're focused on the inward man. We're focused on the circumstances. We're focused on, we don't like how we talk. We don't like how we act. We don't like our lack of faith. We don't like this or that about us. But we're trying to change the outward man by the outward man. If we can get a picture of who we are in Christ, and dwell on that, the man thinketh so is he. And we can focus on our inner man, who we are in Christ. It will change our outer man. If we can see ourselves doing the thing that God has called us to do. If we can see ourselves as, instead of having the victim mentality. Instead of us being a slave, in a sense. Uh, restricted, bonded, uh, prohibited from doing what we want to do because... We're focused on what we can't do. We're focused on the negative. We're focused on the situation. We're focused on the enemy. We're focused on the, the lust of the We're focused on what we can't do. We're focused on our weakness. We're focused on our lack. We need to be focused on who we are in Christ. And we're going to start switching gears here and talking about some of those things. Um, uh, we're making sense. Um, see, if we focus and we see with our mind, with our heart, who we are, we will begin to unconsciously going towards where our most dominant thought is. If our most dominant thought is who we are in Christ, in one sense that begins to be the only thing that we focus on. Everything gets filtered through that filter of knowing who we are in Christ. And we can filter every thought Regarding work, regarding family, regarding finances, regarding issues of faith, regarding wisdom and decision, we can filter everything through who we are in Christ. We will start going that direction. But instead we do what we've done all these years, filter everything through our own reasoning and situations. We're going that direction. That makes sense? Turn me to Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful, where? In Christ Jesus. God says, we, now I know he's talking to the church in Ephesus, but we are the church. He says, we are saints and faithful in Christ Jesus. We are saints and we are faithful in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, <coughs> Grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will, or who has blessed us with some, every spiritual blessing 
in the heavenly places where? In Christ Jesus. God has blessed us in Christ Jesus. We are faithful in Christ Jesus. We are saints in Christ Jesus. Verse 4. Just as he chose us. Where? In him. Before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. God chose you in Christ. That's huge. Before Adam and Eve. Before the foundation of the world. God chose you in Christ. Being in Christ is not God's plan B. That was God's plan A. Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. God chose you in Him to be holy and without blame. And what has made you holy? What you did? No. The only one thing can make you blood holy, and that's the blood of Jesus, the cross. And only the blood of Jesus, and only being in Him, are you blameless. You focus on what you did wrong. You focus on anything that's not a food to sin, what you haven't done right. But you are not blameless because of what you did or didn't do. You're blameless because of Him. And if that you focus on your imperfections, your inadequacy, your lack, your failures, your faults, all the times you messed up, then you will go that direction. You'll keep messing up. But if you will put your focus on who you are in Christ, despite what you've done, despite the times that you've fallen, but you keep, you keep your focus on Him, in Him, you are blameless. And God, see, we're talking about in Christ realities. God, that's how God sees you. And we need to see ourselves as God sees us. That makes sense? Because if we don't, we're going to be focused on the giant. And that giant can very well just be your inadequacies, your failures, your shortcomings, your lack of faith. My father loves me. We need to see this. My father loves me. We just finished talking about being established in our father's love. Behold what manner of love the father has on us that we should be called children of God. My father loves me and he sees me holy and blameless in Christ. God is not imputing sin on me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 18 and 19 1 John chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 God is not imputing sin on the whole world. Why? He's already imputed. He's already charged it to Jesus. Those who don't receive Jesus, yes, it's still imputed. It's still on their account. But God's not uh, because, they, because the, it's just like the, the word impute is like a uh, in a counting term, if you have a credit card, every time you make a, a charge, it's imputed to that account. Every time you make a payment, that payment is imputed to that account. Sin wasn't charged to our account until Jesus. But then it was all charged to Jesus. God took all of our cards, and he says, charge it on mine. So his blood was imputed to our account. His righteousness his unblemishness, his blamelessness was, uh, his lack of blame, that's what I meant to say, is imputed to our account because of Jesus. Now, if we refuse that, we say, no, Jesus, I'm going to take the bill. Right. <coughs> you ever fight over the bill at a restaurant? You know? But we're talking about the bill of sin and the consequence of death. And we're saying, no, Jesus, I don't want you to pay the bill, and you won't pay the bill. But if we receive Jesus, we're born again. He has paid the bill. And we are holy and we are blameless. 
and we're making sense. She says that now. We're going to come back here real quick. I'm almost, I'm almost out of time. But in Colossians 1, 21 to 22, it says this. And you, who were once alienated from and enemies in your mind. Where? In your mind. By wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh to the death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. You are above reproach. In God's sight. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. Holy, blameless, and without reproach. See, I could go off on this. You don't get people out of sin by preaching out of sin. You get people out of sin by preaching out of righteousness. In Christ we have a new nature. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteous God in Him. It says in the First Corinthians fifteen thirty four, I think it is, that awake to righteousness and sin not. You don't be, you don't sin not to become righteous. You awake to the righteousness you receive in Christ, and that will give you the ability not to sin. It's so much more powerful. It works. So we need to see ourselves as God sees us. <coughs> we'll go back here real quick. I'm almost done. Nope. Excuse me. Verse five. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. I don't have a lot of time to talk about the predestined, but we just read about that. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's predestined. We were predestined in Christ before the foundation of the world. And that predestination means that we were predestined to be adopted as his sons. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called and chosen to God by Christ Jesus to himself according to the, the good pleasure of his will. In other words, I just want to, I want to sum that, this up by saying I'm predestined to be a child of God. I'm predestined to be in Christ. <coughs> I'm predestined to succeed. I'm predestined to walk out the will of God that he has in my life because of who I am in him. We just need to get into the love of Jesus. We need to walk with Him every day. We need to build a relationship with Him. And we need to get up and do what He shows us to do. And live our life every day for the Lord. I want to wrap it up with here. We're just about out of time. It says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. <coughs> I'll pick it up and I'll talk more about this next week, verse 7. But verse 6 I want to talk about just for in closing. It says, To the praise of the glory of His grace. God sees you in Him. God sees you to the praise of the glory of His grace. In other words, God sees you in your full potential in Christ. Your full potential is a praise of His glory. God sees you in your full, his full, your full potential. God sees you how God... In other words, let me say this. How God sees you and how God deals with you as a believer is in your full potential in Christ. God does not see you as weak. God does not see you in sin. Jesus became your sin. God sees you in Christ and he deals with you 
in your full potential in Christ. The last part of that verse says, by which he made us accepted in the blood. The praise of his glory is that we would be accepted in who? The beloved Christ. Christ is the beloved. We are accepted in the beloved. In other words, we have a fixed position as a child, son, daughter of God, that we can rest in the grace of our, our God. It is in this position of rest, resting in His grace, resting in our acceptance in the Beloved, that God sees us in our full potential in Christ. This, even this whole idea that we're accepted in the Beloved, again, I just want to repeat, God sees us, God sees you in your full potential in Christ. He causes you to rest in that. He wants you to rest in that. He wants you to rest in that acceptance in the beloved. Because when God looks at you, He sees you in Christ. And when God sees you in Christ, He says only one thing, acceptance. He accepts you because of Christ. In other words, God sees you and He goes, he sees you as beautiful. He sees you as accepted. Ephesians 5 is a beautiful uh, uh, teaching from Paul how he, as our husband, has made us, has cleansed us and sanctified us by his blood that we may be a glorious church. He's presented us to himself, a glorious church, a glorious bride. He's done the work. And he's... he's He's arrayed us in his robes of righteousness. He's arrayed us in the praise of his glory. And he's called us his accepted beloved. And he, that's how God sees us. That's how God sees us. And he sees us in our full potential. And what all that means. And we're going to hopefully unravel some of that, what that means. But in him, in Christ, in the beloved, we have redemption. In other words, we've been purchased by His blood. We're His. And we're going to spend a little more time next week talking about verse 7, and we'll, we'll, we'll stand on this some more. We're probably going to talk about Abraham next week, as we talked about the 12 spies this week. We're going to look at Abraham and, and find out who we are in Christ from that story as well. <coughs> I know I'm just wrapping a lot of different things. There's a lot more I want to say. I'm just keep barely getting started. I hope I'm making sense. I know some of this is deep, got to chew on it. Uh, you can also go to our Bible classes. Uh, you know, if you're not enrolled, you can just get registered with us. Awesome to Probably even this is a lot better than I do. But I'm trying to, I want to teach this because I want to get it. And I want to be able to teach this more regularly. Uh, um, and so not, I don't want to be so much dependent on those. I want, I want to get in my heart. More importantly, I want it to get in your hearts. So we all can walk in this. I don't know if I fully have communicated everything I'm trying to communicate. Uh, but I want us to know who we are in Christ so we can walk in that. We can experience that. And this thing called Christianity can work in our lives, in every situation we are. Lord, we worship you, we magnify you, we glorify you. Lord, teach us all afresh, including myself, who we are in Christ. You said it over 300 times. Help us to get this. 
and help us to walk in the reality of that. And everything we are and everything we do and everything we say, help us to know who we are in you so that the enemy cannot steal that from our hearts. In Jesus' name we give you praise and glory. Amen and amen. That was good.